Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast for creators of any variety. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. <laughs> that is a Snoopy plush doll that when you tilt his head back, he laughs. And uh, Snoopy laughing is one of my favorite things in life. And... Um, Maybe I'll use that Snoopy when I'm landing a joke here and I want a laugh track. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. If this is your first time listening, uh, you can subscribe to episodes on iTunes. You can find old episodes on SoundCloud as well. Go to thereitispod.com, read up on those old episodes and some other blogs. And you can also donate to the podcast, which would be very much appreciated, as I am doing all this by myself. I'm working hard, and I want to be able to do extra things with this podcast and grow it and uh, help it progress. That'll be a side hustle to my side hustle. And today's episode is a fun one. It's with actor and improviser John Brennan, not former CIA director John Brennan, who is speaking to an Intel committee uh, (laughs) today. I could not have planned that. Uh, Who knew before that John Brennan was going to be speaking with an Intel committee today? Uh, There's just no way for me to have planned talking to John Brennan. Uh, So uh, we're talking, and it's not... If you came here expecting former CA director John Brennan, that's not the John Brennan that we're talking to. Though we do get into a pretty deep discussion about national security. Thank you, Snoopy. Uh, no, we don't get in a discussion about that, but we do get into a dis- really good discussion about working hard and just work ethic and what it takes to really succeed and progress your career. And I think this can be good for people who are in and out of the entertainment industry. I think uh, that's one of the good things about this podcast is that you can be inspired and get ideas from the guests about how you can push and further your career. Uh, it's all pretty relative i think uh, it's not not all of it is going to obviously work at your office tomorrow like when someone's talking about improv theory or how to write a joke but when it comes to them talking about their work ethic i think that is something that you can really take back and and use in a tangible way in your day-to-day lives and this is a great episode for that and i think uh, it's it's inspiring i think it it it's like one of those great Dolly Parton quotes, figure out who you are and do it on purpose. I think that's a thing that applies to anybody, not just people who are in the entertainment industry. I'm paraphrasing her there, I guess. Well, it's a really great chat. I want to get right to it. So here is my chat with not former CIA director, John Brennan. My career, which is always a funny thing to think about, yeah, I mean, where did you get your start? Uh, how long have you been doing improv? Uh, that's always the first question, like, for famous people, and I'm not that, but for anyone, like, how'd you get started in this? 
comedy. Why did you just get a job, right? How did you get started? Uh, let's see. I was at Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. and I was a communications major, and, you know, so major did nothing. Yeah, and, that sounds uh, familiar. I was just talking about right, that. Right, right. Yeah, we're both on the podcast, and then the podcast boom happened, and comm majors were ready. I yep. know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, telecom, all that jazz. And there's a student-run program uh, channel there, ETTV. And that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uh, older brother ran like a sports center, you know, a sports weekly of all just hokey sports at Virginia Tech. Oh, and I cool. helped him produce that, or I worked whatever hat I need, he needed me to wear. You know, we're all like producers, cameraman or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then my friend and I um, started joining in on these upperclassmen that did a daily show. No, The Daily Show is actually the real thing on Comedy Central. It was called The Weekly Show at Virginia Tech, not The Daily Show, because The Daily Show is actually, you know, on Comedy Central with Jeff Stewart and all that jazz, mm-hmm. where we did The Weekly Show. So that was a fun taste of um, writing new comedy every week. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized that's kind of what I wanted to spend some time doing, learning how to do that. And because I was paying for school, I wasn't a genius, or they sent me there for free, I stopped going my junior year and said, I'm going to go explore this comedy thing, since I'm going to do that anyway. When mm-hmm. I graduate, I'd rather have less debt. Right. So, doing comedy. Um, my parents migrated to Charleston, South Carolina, and I moved there first to save some money before moving to Chicago, and there I met Theater 99, uh, which is an awesome outlier of an improv theater down in Charleston, South Carolina, the have mm-hmm. Um, have been doing it since the early 90s, crushing it. They mm-hmm. had this theater there with just improv comedy. I took some classes there. I was fortunate enough where they were um, all buying houses and getting married, and they were through with doing road gigs. So mm-hmm. me and three other people graduated into the road tour, oh. and I started to do improv comedy for colleges from when I was 21 to 24. Okay. And that was a great education, just hitting the road, doing comedy. Um, and a lot of that version was whose line is it anyway? Short form. I know, like, in the world, like, we hate short form. It's like, I think there's a place for it. I really enjoy it still. It's a, it's a bit. I get that. But, yeah. I, I mean, I love long form. You know, that's why I still do improv because long form. Um, but short form, I mean, even still sometimes, uh, that'll be one of my go-tos if uh, we're in a pinch <laughs> and we're doing, like, a corporate show. Right. Uh, yeah, let's give some short form games. That's what people want. Yeah. So... So I started doing Theater 99 stuff, mm-hmm. then moved to Chicago for about a year, got involved in I.O., and that was the first time I saw this group called Foursquare, which okay. is this four-person group, and I saw the best long form I've ever seen. I was like, this is incredible. And uh, that was the kind of show I've always wanted to do, you right. know? Um, and that had, like, John Lutz in it, Dan Bacadol. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they were just crushing it. That was awesome. That was a Sunday night show. And then, of course, you see TJ and Dave, and that's a magical experience. But that's magical for anyone. Like, right. you know, when you see TJ and Dave, I'm like, well, I'm not going to ever do that. Like, <laughs> that's TJ and Dave, you know? <laughs> I try. You know, we all like what like to or do a play. Right. Um, so, because I also saw the uh, uh, prize-winning playwright, uh, Tracy Letts. He, you know, he would do TJ and Dave, too. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a whole other... That's Harvard level of stuff. So, <laughs> um, but that was awesome to see. And um, I moved back to Charleston, South Carolina, mm-hmm. actually because I wanted to work on this one man show with my friend, trying to tour with. And uh, mm-hmm. that was called the Banana Monologues. And I'm back at Theater 99. And they're also crashing with long form, like Mary Cancel Posse, still one of the best long form shows I've ever seen. 
Um, and there, those four girls are still doing it where it's like uh, the view, the first half, and the second half is long form. And uh, mm-hmm. so Theater 99 started really uh, venturing out doing, um, they, I mean, they were doing this in the early offs in general, but, you know, first act short form, second act long form kind of thing. And that's <laughs> right. a, um, an awesome show, the Improv Rise show and the Have Nots that they still do all the time. Um, weekly, in fact. And, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so I started in the Banana Monologues, a one-man show, and some guy saw it that wanted to produce it. And that took me on a journey of like, you know, maybe that maybe we can do off Broadway with this show. So around circa 2009, um, my uh, girlfriend at the time, she's now my wife Dolly, we packed up, moved to uh, Brooklyn, New York, and got involved at UCB. I did a lot of improv up there, you know, indie teams. I'm sure, you're doing that now. And mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to do my one man show um, off Broadway in 2013 for that summer, and that was really awesome. Yeah. And I will say around that time, I'm like 30, that was the first time, nah, 31, I was 31 then, and uh, that I wanted to start making a career um, as, as like film and TV. And funny enough, that's when we're like, hey, we should move. We should go buy a house down in Savannah. <laughs> and that's what we did. Bought a house down in Savannah, um, had a baby uh, on purpose, that, which is always great. <laughs> Yeah. Um, she's awesome. And, uh, yeah, through that, I started just uh, befriending some people Savannah. I started filming up auditions and started looking at the film and TV side as a business. So, like, I always hate to say, like, what's my brand? Like, I'm not LeBron James. It's right. more like, what's my type? What right. is my type? How do cast directors see me? In fact, literally right now, I am driving back from Atlanta to Savannah because I was at a casting director workshop today. It was a casting director I've seen a handful of times. Mm-hmm. Did her workshop today, and you know, got some great feedback. And what my type is, what I can be doing better with my actual audition, mm-hmm. because you know, those are the cast directors are the ones that have the keys to the gigs. Yeah. So, and living in Savannah, it's funny. It's slower, lower, and I can have more flexibility to be able to do a lot of things that I want than if I was living in Brooklyn or even living in Atlanta. I'd have to be working more for whatever my, my mortgage is or my rent. But living mm-hmm. in Savannah, with cheaper housing, you know, it's a town and a city, awesome place. It's a beautiful city. I'm able city, to yeah. have a lot. Yes, yes, it is. Um, so, yeah, so I, th- that's my career. And that's what's always funny. I never really know how to answer it. So that's more, that's actually more my timeline. That's my <laughs> life. Uh, so I said right, my career but- is I hustle. <laughs> right. Hustling is yeah. uh, obviously a, a needed thing. I mean, and it, it's going to look different for everybody. Sometimes the hustle is uh, practicing the scales on their instrument, you know, or, or different things like that. There are different things to hustle sometimes. Uh, it is, you know, it, right. And like my moving here and taking classes at Magnet, that's part of my hustle. That is part of me hustling to try to improve and get better. At acting oh, and at performing. Yeah, yeah, and because you also didn't know, right? You're like, you want to go to New York. And mm-hmm. I remember before I went to New York that groups would come down, and it's not even like a competitive thing. It's absolutely an ego thing. And mm-hmm. I would like to think that, you know, I'm a nice person, which I am. But, you know, you got an yeah. ego. That's why we're all doing improv comedy. You get up on stage. Mm-hmm. You do want to know, is someone better than you? Is this group better than you? And, you know, a lot of times they were. Sometimes mm-hmm. they weren't. But then I started trying to think about why were they better, and then if they weren't better, and that's also not a great way to think about improv, right? That's right, actually not right. an improv mindset to think about, like, you better, like, are you a good person? If you're a good person, you listen, you make choices, you're a great improviser. Mm-hmm. Like, 
They're not like like their spot on this great improv team coming from New York wasn't my spot. <laughs> like they weren't like, right. oh, sorry, we're we would have put you in our show tonight, but this guy filled it up in New York. Right. You know? Right. So then going to New York, you can just see it firsthand, and you can rub elbows, and you're just in the you're in the you're in the hole. Right. Yeah. I think it's good to have the right perspective when it comes to approaching a career in comedy or acting or both, you know, but you know, people going to New York for improv. I mean, so many people, they, they get to a theater and they're just trying to get on a house team because they heard that that's how you make it. And that is once they get there, then it's almost like they don't know what to do. And now they have to figure out something else or that what they thought would come doesn't come. And so they're disappointed you know, for me, I I came here to learn and to get better. Um, and if I were to eventually get on a house team, that would be icing on the cake. That would be awesome. Right. But I, I can't allow myself to be unhappy if I don't end up on a house team. I have to be happy. The goal has to be growing. The goal has to be getting better and growing and I think for me, it's going to be creating my own stuff that I'm going to get the most pleasure in, out of and uh, finding the way to create that stuff the best uh, is. And, you know, let me actually add to that. OK, because you and I, I'm on the same page, like growth. Right. Especially when I started getting when I got to New York, I will say that I wish I started going through UCB's program, which is phenomenal. Like they have the whole comedy industry. Right. Mm-hmm. And. I, I I learned so much going through all five classes, and then I did like the advanced performance class, which was awesome. And I did perform. I put my name in the lottery, uh, but I was getting married and had other things in my life, so I was just also just going home. So mm-hmm. there was an element of I wanted both, right? I wanted growth, and I wanted to be on the house team. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying you can't get married. That's not my point at all. Right. But my point is, if you just want growth, you are getting that's a great, and you're present, and you're doing it. But let's say your goal is to be on a house team. Well, then you need to get the T-shirt. You need to be enthusiastic about them. And you need to be there all the time. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like, yeah, be, be that, be the fan. Get in there and learn. Obviously, if you're just a fan, you'll never make it on the house team. But at the right. same time, I, I know myself, when I was doing my off-Broadway show, I started having that moment of, I am jack of all trades. I can write. Mm-hmm. I can perform. I'm really good at improv, but also a free agent improv. I mean, you know, that's, that doesn't exist. It's a team sport, you know? Right. Right. Absolutely. So that was, that's when I started doing like the the career concept of like, no, now I'm an actor. Like my job is to be, uh, you know, enthusiastic. Um, and I don't mean like corny, you know, like, Hey kids, but I mean, I got to go in with my part. Cameras on. I got to be ready. That is the job. And mm-hmm. funny, I actually did real estate for a year with my wife. She was a home inspector. And I started um, talking to realtors, seeing if that was a world I wanted to get into. And 90% of their job is leads, right? That's mm-hmm. how they get gigs, mm-hmm. sell houses. And that's how I tried to start approaching as acting-wise. Down to the I'm like, oh, leads. Where are the leads? Casting directors. Boom. Find casting directors. And this is now a singular focus where I have to say, sometimes say no to improv shows mm-hmm. or to writing gigs. Because I'm an actor right now, and there's only so much time in the day. Right. But I don't regret being jack-of-all-trades. I don't regret those growth right. years. I will say that there's a stretch in my later growth years where I 
where I was confused why I wasn't getting work or why the doors weren't opening up. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, looking back, why wasn't I didn't specialize in anything. Yeah, exactly. I'm in the same boat as the jack of all trades thing. And, uh, you know, even to go back to what we're talking about with being on a house team, like I I would like to be on a house team. But what I what I think uh, and I imagine you agree, it's like wanting to do things here for the wrong reason is a distraction more than something that's actually going to help your career. Wanting to be on a house team simply because you were told to, uh, that that's how you get on SNL. Um, right. You know, you're either not getting up on the house team because you're not focusing on the right stuff, or if you are good enough to get on a house team, it doesn't guarantee anything other than you being on a house team. And you so, know what's funny? They'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Like, the teachers. I, I had a great experience going through UCB, and then um, I went through the Magnet. All of them tell you, go to other places. And they and th- I took them up on their advice. By the end of it, when I was like, you know, I got through all five levels, advanced level, it's been a year. But in New York, they're like, nah, it's lifetime members here. Everyone lives here. If you just came up here to be on the fast track, like, you missed the boat. You're about 15 years too late. Right. Everyone's going through this now. Improv's everywhere. Right. Which is great. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I mean, it is that thing of uh, if you were in New York in 2000, then you probably have a better leg up on on those sort of gigs. But there are too and you many know what's weird? Now. You would have you would have been looking for it. Like in 2000, mm-hmm. improv wasn't like you know all over the place except that TV show on ABC. Who's mm-hmm. lies anyway? Where right. you, you you and me are there in 2000, we're looking for something like that. They're like, wait, what is this? Oh, this right. is that cool sketch show from Comedy Central, UCB. Right. right. Yeah. Right, and that's that's a better you know that's good. But I feel like now the thing is create your own stuff and know how to create your own stuff, and in a way it's like make your own destiny. And I feel like that's uh, sounds like uh, that's what you're doing is you are putting yourself out there in a focused way, and uh, you're you're specializing in something and you're getting more traction because of that and because of the preparation that you've done up to this point and that you continue to yeah continue and and you, i find flexible gigs right. you know that's just it too like I, I pa um i'll grip sometimes um when it's available i mean it's freelance any freelancer listening to this will say you either say yes or no that's what that's the freedom of freelance mm-hmm. <laughs> when you get offered something you say yes or no and hope you get offered again yeah and uh and and that's it too. Where when I look back, again look back. Like saying even going to New York. Like if I had thirty grand saved, I would know how to do it. But even that's like way more money than you would need. It's mm-hmm. really more the flexibility or a job that makes you flexible mm-hmm. to be able to audition at a drop of that. Exactly. Uh, one thing that um, I notice about your performance. Um, in improv, and I imagine this is the same case when it comes to your acting, uh, and you sort of alluded to it about just being on once it's time, uh, when, you know, cameras on, everything's set, it's time. Um, it, it, you have this sort of presence where it does seem like uh, you flipped a switch. Of course, there isn't a, a flip the switch, but that's a thing that. Whenever I'm watching a movie, there's certain actors who are just so there. And I've been on sets, and it's hard to get there in a film setting because of the way things can be shot sometimes. Uh, right. How, uh, how do you get there? 
uh, so quickly? Cause I, I, you have it on stage as an improviser, but you know, how do you do it anywhere? You know, I, I, I will say there's, there's two ways. Like when I'm fortunate enough to be hired on a film um, or a TV show, I don't get there quickly. And, you know, it's the process is I have my phone with me. Obviously, know your lines. I mean, right. that's a no-brainer. That's a, that's a weird thing to say, but again, I've been on sets and they still don't know their lines. Um, unless you're, you know, number one, two, or three in the acting order, you better know your shit. So that, that's an obvious number one that everyone's like, yeah, yeah, Where, but I don't talk, I, I don't be, I'm not rude, but I don't snooze. Like, because even though I work on sets, I'm like, hey, hey, what's going on, friend? Um, hey, you're gripping today? Um, I, I try and stay out of the, I try and stay in the little trailer they give you, the little closet, and mm-hmm. stay focused on what I need to do. And when I do go out, even if I'm like an hour away from filming, I recognize that the show started. It's very corny to maybe to hear, but it's like now I am on. Like the char- the charisma needs to be needs mm-hmm. to be out. There's a reason why I got hired. You know, mm-hmm. and for when I say charisma, it's enthusiasm and being present. Those are the two things I do actively think about um, when I'm on film and TV sets. Mm-hmm. The enthusiasm, and I don't mean like, hey, you know, Steve Irwin, you know, rest in peace. Uh, but that <laughs> right. enthusiasm, you know, but but focused enthusiasm mm-hmm. uh, about the part you're being do because then you organically care. Like, the fact that you're enthusiastic means you care, right? Right. And then the other thing is just being present, which is, in 2017, is probably hard for everyone. <laughs> oh, you yeah. Um, Cell phones make it really hard to uh, be present, not only in the sense that when you have it there as an option, it makes you less present, but then even when you're away from the phone, you're so used used to not connecting with people eye to eye uh that right you're not as you're not as present when you're with them even though you're you know we're near your phone and have no desire to get on your phone you're still just not practiced at interacting with people <laughs> right you know right. like it's so hard it's, yeah. it makes it real tough you you sound very similar to me because when i'm on a set i want to be focused as well on the on the task at hand and i i can um, be polite and cordial and um, crack a couple of jokes if the time warns it, but I'm generally not there to crack jokes and I want to focus. I want to know my lines. I want to know what I'm supposed to do. And if I don't have, if it's a type of role where maybe I don't have many lines or I don't have any lines, I still want to kind of be aware of the production and be present yeah. in that a production is going on. And I've come across a few people two or three who they to professionalism to them is being able to make good small talk on the set. Whereas professionalism to me is being focused on the production. But now I will say, because you and I are the same and what I've learned though, that good small talk, um, that is a skill too. That's why I think if I'm out and about, you got to do it. Oh yeah, you know, as much as I would love to just be all, um, I'm not a method actor, but like method, I'm so no one talk to me. It's like no, that's a negative energy. You know, that actually affects the set because people are like, "Who are you, dude? You're a day player. Relax." (laughs) And they're right, (laughs) right? Or even if you are Tom Cruise, then it still brings this energy of like, "Oh, I'm not supposed to talk to him. I'm not supposed to talk to him," or whoever the actor is. That just that. Anything to me that distracts the production is not a good thing. So if it's me being too uh, reserved and to myself 
or if it's me being too talkative, it can be disruptive. Sure. I just worked with a guy once who it seemed like his professionalism was only talking to people. Like, you know, he was just real. I, I yeah. overheard him talking to other people, and then he came up to me and was talking, was asking me the same questions. Where he's like, oh, so do you golf? Yeah, I don't. I was like, why did you ask? <laughs> like, why are you even asking if I golf if you don't go? You know, it's just that sort right. of stuff right. was so talkative that it was uh, distracting people from being focused on the production. Yeah, because he's like looking for this connection. And, you know, the irony is, I think it's ironic, but uh, you just be connected. Like, just be present. Right. If you're present, you're connected. And now that's just really hard. Right to do, um, but that's what I always remind myself. Now with like live performances, you know, I guess now I'm thinking it's it's the, it's the same thing. It's being enthusiastic and being present. And uh, something I started doing on stage a lot now um, that I teach down in Savannah with the uh, Front Porch Group is ooh, my friend Brandy and uh, Jennifer Button. They do it a lot in one of their two-person shows. Mm-hmm. And they came down to Savannah, and people like, and they were awesome. And I noticed when they play characters, they organically repeat what the other person's saying. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of the TV show Seinfeld, because okay. it's very obvious there, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I just came yeah. back from Yankee Stadium. You just came back from Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium, yeah. Jerry, right? And they just said Yankee Stadium three times. Right. Now, in sitcoms, they'll repeat that in general all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a way to teach people to confirm the situation in a scene to yes and something, just repeat the last thing said. And when I say just repeat it, I don't mean just repeat it. Add emotion to it, which is what Brandy and Jennifer do in the shows. They organically do that. Right, yeah. You know? Like, yeah, and like, oh, well, you just the pizza shop. Like, yeah. Yeah, you just showed yeah. that when talking about Seinfeld. It's like, oh, you went to Yankee Stadium. It adds this extra levels like oh well look at you going to yankee Sarah. that's exciting it adds it adds something to it and it, it well it helps you also quickly learn about your character when you're comfortable with someone you i can you can accuse me of something or of a flaw and by repeating it i don't question it right so mm-hmm. it's uh, so it would just be something damn frank you always come late yeah i always come late boom <laughs> like i'm like <laughs> you, you i just organically admitted and confirmed and owned it that I come late. Right. Where sometimes, you know, or beginning improvisers might, you know, defend themselves, even though they might be thinking that they're agreeing. But you know, you're wasting time defending. It's way more funnier and quicker if we can all agree that he's late. Both people said it, boom, moving on. Now he's going to be late to stuff. What else is show? Right. I mean, I do that in shows all the time, especially if I'm playing with strangers. Like if that's, I'm in a situation where I'm doing a jam, that's what that's one of my tools in the belt that I just pull out. That's a good one because I am losing this ability to be present uh or no i shouldn't say i'm losing it but i just feel like uh oftentimes i'm less present or at least less present than i want to be and i think it does being enthusiastic but then also in the moment repeating what the person said and adding something to it will help me be more present yeah that's a good yeah that's why so that's why i teach i say that's a great yes just repeat it and add important to it. So whether you think it's great or bad, you know, mm-hmm. this is good pizza. This is good pizza. Or yeah, this is good pizza. <laughs> it's, it's like, but you're confirming that Jason said it was good pizza. Doesn't right. mean, I, but yeah, so I'm either 
by just yesing will agree that it's good, or I'll repeat the line and disagree. Mm-hmm. And the, then the subtext actually comes out. Yeah. Right, right. So. How, what are some other tips uh, that you have for just getting present in your mind? Wow, that's, that's interesting. You know, like before a show? Yeah, or even during a show, but especially before a show. You know, I, you know, before a show, I remind myself, um, I turn off my phone, like probably pretty close to showtime if I can, unless I'm producing it, mm-hmm. you know, and I start trying to uh, uh, pay attention to what's going on before the show, whether it's just small talk with my teammates who I'm about to play with. And then when I'm in the show, you know, I, I do remind myself of just those two things a lot, or I'll say last thing said, you know, last thing said, like just remember it's the last thing said. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, no, I, I wish there were more, but those are really the things that I just really do that have been really working well with me um, in my performances that I just remind myself of. That's and good if I'm playing with someone aggressive, I don't have to say much. So I am present. So I, I can just lose, you know, whether I'm actually losing in the scene or not. And if I'm playing with someone that's not aggressive and they're not saying a lot, is that that's actually interesting, too, because then I don't have to say a lot. We're just confirming it. So it's actually this slow build. Yeah. So there can be a lot more going on in the scene. And I've performed enough where I'm not afraid of silence. And, you know, I guess maybe that's it, not being afraid of silence. Yeah. In fact, I actually remind myself with auditions. In fact, because I'm very comfortable on stage, because I've been fortunate enough to perform for so much the last 15 years live. I, ha- I had to remind myself the last two years when I started auditioning for film and TV as a quote-unquote career that I'm new. I'm mm. new to this. It's a different medium. And just auditioning is different from the actual getting the gig. You know, those are even two different skill sets right there. And right. that is something I actually just did today in my audition with the cast director is it's only, you know, it's only a page and a half script. Take your time. Yeah. Doesn't mean to go slow. It just means there's beats there. As long as I'm using it, um, it was like the scene was, I'm with this girl. I thank her for coming. She loves this place. It's expensive. You know, I've never been to Morgan's. Uh, I had to pull a lot of strings to get in there, and I reached for my wallet, and it's not there. And I nervous laugh. And then I'm supposed to say, I'm just kidding. Or, or you got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I was able to work with my scene partner. We had like 15 minutes to get ready for it. I'm like, oh, yeah. Even though it's just one, one line of dialogue there, how would I look for my wallet if I was surprised? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, I reached in my left hand. That's where I usually keep it. Oh, it's not there. Huh. Nervous laugh, right? <laughs> All right, let me reach in my other pocket. And now you're like, oh, shit. Like, that's how I would do it in real life mm-hmm. if I was under these special circumstances. So yeah. you beat it out. Like, you just doing the beat. Right. Right. I had... Where I would be in a hurry. Right. At the beginning. Yeah. Which is a Go good ahead. method for acting. And that was when I would doing a play or anything uh, scripted, then I could approach it before it was go time. I'm just getting introspective. I'm thinking uh, what is this character thinking? What is this character going through? I know my lines, uh, but I'm just I'm just getting in an emotional state and a, and, a, and a certain state of mind so that when I'm acting the part, I'm present. The thing about it is, you, I've been doing that with improv, and maybe it's wrong. 
because with improv, I don't have a script and I don't have a character, so I don't have anything like that to like drop into. And so before an improv show, I'm still getting introspective, but it's just maybe about philosophy of improv and the principles of, imp- of improv and just thinking about things like that. The issue with that is, I think, for improv, you're trying to observe everything that's happening and take it in and open up and respond. But if you've been so introspective for an hour before a show, it's kind of hard to open up and to observe everything because you're just so, like, inner-focused. I, I, I feel it's like that's... interesting. Yeah, I feel like that's a habit I got myself into... Uh, because of acting theory and I I need to break that habit when it comes to improv so I can be more open yeah yeah because that would prevent you from making choices or to me that sounds like that would cause you to think the scene already exists right which of course I'm not yeah it's like I'm 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 preparing in the way someone prepares when a scene already exists but a scene doesn't already exist i have nothing to go on yeah so you just have to make choices and and get the reality quickly and mm-hmm. i think that's also what can be really great about improv is when you start making choices at the top realize a lot of the time the comedy will come because you are wrong right right or right. or or I'm playing like I'm gonna play like I'm hot shit, and then in the minute into the scene, I realize that my character is not hot shit, but he thinks he is. Uh huh. Where the first minute I was hot shit, and then <laughs> new you know new information came to light where I was not the CEO of a company. I was the CEO of like a uh, one employee at this you know bike shop, but I tri- but I act like I was the CEO of the company. Mm hmm. Um, I don't know. Does that help you? Yeah, <laughs> no, I think it think. does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's essentially, um, I think, uh, the right way to go about it because you are going to have well, to, at the beginning, think of, oh, well, what is it that, uh, who am I, who, who is this character? I've walked on the stage and that was the suggestion and scene partner looks this way and that way. And I, that's what I need to, uh, that's what I need to observe and pay so much attention to. Not something that's And make a choice. Right. And I think, I think that's the part too, right? There is, um, I say that, um, and I even love this exercise. Um, uh, let's see if I can remember his name. I want to say Billy Merritt. Billy Merritt. He's used to be. I think he's out in LA now. Um, but he has this, uh, the, he, I don't know if he created it, but the exercise I saw him do was a mammoth exercise. David Mammoth. Or you and I will look at each other, we we'll say a word, you say the word so much, the word doesn't mean anything anymore, then you get started. Uh, what I like about that exercise is, very quickly, just say, who is saying this to you? And that, that will actually help me at the start of some scenes too. Or I'll make that choice out the gate. Mm-hmm. That will be one of the choices I make when I'm coming on stage. Mm-hmm. That this is you know, my son, or this is my wife, or this is my dad, and this is a person saying that to me. So then mm-hmm. I, um, that helps inform what my reaction will be to it. So ideally, I'm not thinking. I've already, I've already decided that's my dad. Whether it turns out to be a coworker or something else, then I still know I treat that coworker like they're my dad. I like it. That's good. 
right? Hey, all gems. All gems. <laughs> Write this stuff down. <laughs> These are all mine. All of my original philosophies. Yeah. Um, where uh, do you think your, uh, uh, like your passion comes from? Because you, you, uh, one of the things I always enjoyed talking to you uh, about was uh, improv. Because you're. You, you do get passionate about it, and I get passionate about it as well. So where do you think that passion comes from? You know, I think I just like to create stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and, I, and funny, I work on being present. Um, we're talking about that topic. And I think that's what I love about improv. It's just live. This is it. You're either good or you're not. Uh-huh. Here we go. This show, you know, the cliches are true. will never be seen or done again. And... Um, and you know, the other one is, I think I love the team, teamwork, uh, that aspect to it, because mm. I realized that I really love paying attention to basketball and the mm-hmm. NBA. I'll read so much about it more than I even watch it. And I've been doing that my whole adult life. And I think it's because of team chemistry. I really love good teams, team chemistry and building stuff. And that's very important in basketball. And it's very important in improv. We're like in baseball, you don't necessarily need team chemistry. You know, a third base is a third baseman. You know, and even mm-hmm. in football, it's more you need teamwork, you know, but I don't know if they all have to like each other or get along, you know, <laughs> where right. basketball, and again, basketball, I don't know if they have to be friends necessarily, but on the court, you know, you are improvising. If you, if you slow down, it affects everyone. And that's right. same like an improv, right? Right. If, if you are a really great improviser and the person you're with isn't, you know, after a couple minutes, that's going to be tough. Like, the, because then it's a solo show. And that's a different thing. So it still might be funny, but you're really just watching someone be a, do a solo show up on stage instead of actually going back and forth, which is what improv is. Yeah. Right. Um, How about you? Why am I passionate you can't take my about answer. it? Um, <laughs> you know, I really don't know. Um, I guess I'm passionate about it because it sparks, like performing sparks something in me. And I, I'd, I'd probably need to go to a therapist to like really get down to like, why it is but it just feels like i'm i'm being me i just feel really myself when i can perform which is funny it's like i feel like myself when i'm pretending to be other people but uh that that, that kind of makes sense because it's safe to be it right you know when you're being other people you can focus on certain skills of your personality even though you Mm -hmm. probably i don't think of it that way when i'm doing it i'm not like okay Right. I don't think about it that way as I'm doing it. Right, exactly. But it is like maybe, it just feels like you're opening yourself up and you're letting something shine. So it is kind of a let me open up more by going to these different places. And that's kind of the beauty of improv, right? Like the best improv is usually only at its best in that moment. Right. You know, unless you're actually doing improv as a writing exercise or everyone's on the same page, you know, sometimes you might have a gem of a line. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, you know, it is like, yeah, you, the more vulnerable you are, the funnier it usually is because the audience will laugh with you. This guy doesn't mm-hmm. mind making fun of himself. Mm-hmm. And I don't even mean just being self-deprecating, but you're just being open to that, right? Right. When, because new information will come. It's a discovery. It's the joke's on you in some way, and then if you can just own it and deal with it instead of denying it, it's funny. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. We're in the, because every, if you deny it on stage, it's never funny because I think also, thinking out loud now, 
we do that in the real world, right? Everyone's like, I, I can do that. I can deny that. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's funny. That's yeah. super true. And it's funny. <laughs> super true and it's funny. Those are good improv team names. Super true. Super true. We are super true. <laughs> uh, right oh, there that. is one. Uh, I saw, like, it was real windy here and rainy the other day. And uh, whenever that happens, as you know, there are a bunch of umbrellas broken on the ground and dead. And uh, I thought, Dead Umbrellas, yeah. that would be a great improv team name. Dead Umbrellas. Dead, um- Dead Umbrellas is <laughs> pretty good. I've always liked Pump the Brakes. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it never worked out for me, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'd throw it out there. No one, apparently not a lot of other people like that name. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you went to Savannah, didn't you, you started a company or or what was it you were doing at improv there again yes um so um moving from brooklyn we we stopped back in charleston for a little bit and then we uh my wife and i moved down to savannah um to buy a house and then um i had a handful of friends that we all wanted to try and do our own version of theater 99 you know right. why don't we all move down and go do that um but when the rubber really hit the road the reality is everyone had full-time jobs and no one could actually commit to it full-time Right. So it turns out, so Dolly and I ended up moving there anyway because the housing market is, you know, it's in also Savannah's Beautiful, start our family, which we did. And for that year, I actually, my wife got a job as a home inspector, funny enough. And uh, I was her assistant for a while and then just learning about real estate, figuring out what's the next step we should do. Right. And when her baby was born, she uh, told me I should start getting back in the improv world, check out Savannah a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's what I started doing, and I met my friend Brian Haverson and uh, David Stork, and we started doing. They have David Stork used to run Gotham Improv in New York. Mm-hmm. Brian used to be in all these sketch teams in New York, and we started doing improv down here. And Front Porch Improv was born, and it's yeah, it's been really great to wet her whistle and uh, doing monthly shows, doing that's that. Awesome, and, oh, and that's where we're at right now. We, we do hope to have like our own theater someday, but at the same time. I want to do good work, so I, I was also huh, pumped the breaking, uh, pumped the break <laughs> on that a little bit. As far as like we need a community, well, because a lot of the community is there, and we were able to meet a handful of people that was able to, that's able to jam with us. Um, but you also, you know, I, I I really want to do awesome improv, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes there's a line where do I want to be a gym where people can pay for classes and everyone performs? Would that affect the show? Yeah, it would. So we could probably have both, and and that's kind of the goal. I, we have the show Front Porch Improv, where we're hoping to be kind of like uh, I know at Alchemy. I think it was the local legends. I don't know if it still is, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, like, legends like, still there. Yeah, yeah, like that's like the Cat. or at least I, I I thought that show was phenomenal. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. You know, where mm-hmm. Front Porch Improv is now kind of like that. Okay. And then we're slowly trying to produce more shows to get more people involved if we can. Well, that's awesome. And you said you're doing it monthly now. Yeah, yeah, we were, we've been doing monthly shows, um, yeah, and and that's been great just to perform. Yeah, I don't know how people like uh, Harrison Brookie, who has recently had his third child, well, his wife had the child, but you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> I, I got gotcha. you. But it's, he's it's mostly him, right? It's mostly. Him. <laughs> but he's running yeah. a theater, and he is uh, also uh, teaching. I mean, he he has a lot of help. Um, to do all the things that he's doing, but he's still doing a lot. Yeah, it's a job, man, and I'm sure he'll tell you that. He has told me that. I've asked him, talked to him about it. You yeah, know, me too. He's got, he's got his 
he's got his three buckets, right? I'm sure he probably has more, you know, family first. Mm-hmm. Then he's got, you know, probably as a tie, his teaching day job. And then he runs an improv theater, mm-hmm. you know, and that's even something, um, looking at Savannah, what my wife and I, when we had our first child is, you know, what do we want to focus on? And that's why we're like, let's just focus on putting together a really good show. And then we partnered up with Brian and her husband, Daniel, and we produce these monthly shows. And I really like, like right now, I'm driving back from Atlanta. I really, I really like acting. I really enjoyed this, and I want to see if I can make a career out of it. Yeah. Um, more than I already am. Because I probably, might, you know, my window's only a couple of years where my kids get a little bit older, and my life will have to change a little bit. Because I'd like, I wouldn't, I would like to make them a priority. Not that they're not right. a priority now, that sounded weird. But you know what I mean? Where they're going to start uh, having yeah. soccer practice at some point. <laughs> you know? Right. Where this, this career I'm doing right now needs to be a job. And then if it's a job, I can keep doing it. Right. You know? That's the thing that I also am not sure how people do, because there there's some people who are actors, and they have kids, and uh, and maybe even a lot of kids, but they're working yeah. constantly. And I just don't know uh-huh. how they're doing that. And I, I understand that the Amy Polers uh, can also have nannies because she said that publicly that like, thank you to the nannies because we wouldn't be able to do this stuff that we love so much and are so passionate about if we didn't have nannies and nannies and grandparents, right? She's in a place where she can afford having nannies, but not everybody is. And they're still doing work all the time and they're not being, uh, you know, they're not, uh, putting their family low like <laughs> in a distant second well you know we don't do vacations i mean to be honest mm. with you you know this is there's me driving right now would be the equivalent of my sundays going out to the bar and watching football and you know things mm. that i would like to do or did before we had a child mm-hmm. you know or like big vacations you know that's one of the perks of when we moved to savannah like great we live in a location where we close to the beach mm-hmm. and people come to us we're a destination and it's rel- relatively affordable to live. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's a sacrifice. Right. You want this to be your career, and I do. So on a Wednesday, I drive to Atlanta, do a casting director workshop of someone who I auditioned with quite a bit, and now I'm driving back. This, now I, uh, now I'm, when Sunday rolls around, I can't be like, honey, you need some golf time for me. <laughs> golf would be my thing. But, no, this is my golf day. Like, this is it. Um, and also she can support it because I have been making some money the last right. year. So I, like, oh, maybe we can build on this. And I think we can. And that's where I go back to when people ask, like, how do you do it? I'm like, think of real estate. Like a realtor, always looking for leads. Always looking for leads. That's the gig. And then putting the deal together, selling the house, is just when you know that's the fun part. Like right. Right when you get a gig on a TV show, that's, that's the fun part. Like, yeah, I'd love to do that all the time. The skill is... <laughs> Getting the auditions, right? Right. Like I get one out of ten or one out of a hundred, you know, depending where you're at and what kind of stuff you're auditioning Depends what for. that one is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I was just hearing, uh, I just listened to an episode of WTF with uh, Mark Marin where he was interviewing Anne Hathaway and he was talking uh-huh. about she went on like a hundred auditions in a row and didn't get cast in anything, you know, <laughs> like... Like yep. just, and that was like early in her career and it was, it, that can be rough. And and, also that's yeah. needed, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, like again, 
the feedback I even got today of my, because we do a self-tape, so uh-huh. I send the video into the cast director, and you know, you critique it in front of everyone. And they're able just to say simple things about the choices I'm making, that you didn't build on it, and then technically you're too close to the camera, it's not, not a great view, the stuff I wouldn't have heard before, or wouldn't even right. hear. Like thinking, right. oh, didn't get that part. I assume I did everything great. Right. I mean, of course, um, you know, there. I guess no casting director is going to say, well, he was standing too close, so points off for that. But they are, if they are distracted by anything uh, from your performance, then that can be a hindrance to you getting. It's just that distraction is what's the hindrance. Oh, absolutely, because they have 100 people for one part. And they'll tell you that. They're like, they'll start with 800 people for one part, and then they whittle it down to 60, all of them sort of self-tapes in. If you know, if you miss that first beat, for whatever the reason, they're going to move on to the next one. Right. So they don't even get to watch your audition. And it's like, I, part of me is like, yeah, I get it. It's a job for them, too. They're like, you know, <laughs> next one, we need someone that can, fit, that, that, that can nail that first beat. Right. Right. Or just yeah. not do whatever is distracting, you know. <laughs> You're not really right, speaking right. loud enough in your in your tape. You can't really hear you. Yeah, they're gonna be distracted yeah. by that and be like, "Oh, I zoned out. Let's go to the next one." You know, like, right? You know, it's it's right. uh, you have to be good at the right things, and uh, you know, it's people can go crazy sometimes with with stuff, but um, there is a, a method to some of the madness. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's it. Why are you doing it? You know, you and I both started out because we love it. Mm-hmm. We still love it. We're doing it for growth. We got growth. We're still continuing to grow. Oh, I can make a career out of it. So right now, did all that. And then tomorrow, I'll jam with my friend. I'm working on a two-person show with, Brian, who I partnered up with. We're going to jam. We have a show on Saturday. You yeah. Know? So that's the other side of it. Right. So that way, you're filling up both pots. Right. Well, you know what? This feels like a good good time to transition into creating something together to end the show but uh oh man are we there already where do i rank on all your guests like the middle of the pack top of the pack how do you mean like in being good you're great yeah just being the best oh (laughs) pretty high top tier pretty high (laughs) top everyone i've been really lucky that i've had really great guests like everyone has been interesting and had stuff to share that i think a lot of people can learn from and uh uh, this has been another one of those episodes. I've never, I've never had just a, an awful interview. No. No. I've All been right. Well, really we'll try and that. remedy that. We'll, we'll get we'll get you on <laughs> one day. We'll, we'll I'm get due. you on so that way you can have the bar. I'm you due for see. somebody. Maybe this is it. Be like the this worst. might be it. We don't know it. <laughs> yeah, it's happening right now. Someone made it to the end to say, "Yep, worst one." <laughs> this is it. That'll be my last episode. Uh, That's right. But what is something that we could create together? Uh, should it be kind of like a, a uh, to-do list of what you need to focus on to um, uh, maybe Let's get ready here. for a, an audition? Yeah, yeah, that could be it. And you were saying that you've been working on being present also. Right. Uh, so is there any kind of like, can you and I work on being present or is there something we can build that has something to do with that? That's good. I think that'd be great. Okay. So if we're uh, talking, well, if we're talking like a, 
a written script and you're whether okay. you're doing a play or a sketch or a movie or a TV show or something, you know, you're about to go on stage, it's about you're about to hear action uh any second now. What is it someone can do to just stay in the moment and then we can also say you're about to do an improv show and you know how do you get present okay so uh enthusiastic enthusiastic mm-hmm. so be excited all right that you're there be so happy you, that you're there oh my thankful. god I'm thrilled oh hell yeah mm-hmm. all right here we go i'm excited let's get this going like steve Irwin, like oh man this is great look at this Look at this setup! All these cameramen—they're all being—they're all being paid here to film me. Oh, ego's coming out. That's right. It's great to have an ego because I'm an actor. That is our job. I gotta have like—I mean, I need to have an ego to just think that this is okay. That all this money's going to me to just walk on stage and playing pretend. <laughs> now let's think about the character. The character. Right. Uh, it's a scene where you know the the character is about to talk to uh, their co-worker they've been having a lot of problems with. Okay. Uh, so like an office setting, probably, right? It's an office setting, it's, yeah. You're in New York, right? You guys love office settings and improv shows in New York City. Oh, that, gosh. Everything's an office. Oh, my God. Or on the Cubicle. subway. Or on the subway. So many yeah, scenes happen on the subway now. Oh man, you just put your hand up above your head, grab that bar, you're on the subway. That's yep. a good space work right there. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I would think about the beat, beat, the beat before the thing. What right. was the moment right before? Right. So I'm about to talk to my coworker. Uh, you know, let's make it a positive thing. I want to talk to, um, I want to talk to her because uh, before the boss does, I want. I think this, this is me trying to help her. Mm-hmm. So I got to mm-hmm. talk to her before. So that, that's my intention. Uh, I want to help her, and I hope that she uh, listens to my advice, so she doesn't lose her job. Mm. So you're you're off. So you're thinking uh, not just what are my lines and what they mean, but here's the moment that's about that that I think as the character oh, is about right, to right. happen. I I try and memorize my lines as um, like to a T. Right. So so I don't think about them anymore. I'll spend. I will spend so much time memorized running, 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 running. And then when I'm done, when I just know them in my head, I'm not thinking about the lines, I will forget them and just think about the moment before. Mm-hmm. Think about the environment so I can be effective, so I can take my time, and then, and I'll just trust the lines will come out. That's when I'm at my best is oh, when wow. I can actually do that. Yeah. So, so I'm about to talk to her. My lines, I already got them in my head. The moment before that is... You know, I'm also, I'm worried that she's not going to want my advice, but I also know I'm going to push through because I think it will help her that this person's my friend. So, all right, here's a moment. I think we'll go talk to him. And that's the moment I have coming in. Okay. Is there anything else that someone would need to do to be present in that moment? Breathe. Mm-hmm. Breathe. Yeah, no, that's it. Because you can't be looking for, looking, looking ahead. Right. I, I think, or yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's, everyone has their own process too. But right. I, but overall, with these kinds of auditions, though, it's just the moment before, memorize the first line for sure, because that's the mm-hmm. first hit, and then use your environment throughout the scene, and then memorize the last line, and then the moment after that, boom, that's a good film audition. Mm. 
Okay. Now let's uh, think about improv, and we want to. We're about okay. to go out on stage with our team. We're going to get a suggestion. We're going to start doing improv. But how do we get present so that we are kind of we're, we're receiving everything that's happening around us and ab- letting it absorb? How do we open up enough so that we can uh, be focused on those things? Okay, so I would say the uh, corny thing that we're doing a little. Uh, I was doing a little bit earlier. Like, just be enthusiastic mm-hmm. and uh, lose. You know, that's something I always remind myself. Lose and go up on stage, especially when other people are feeling anxiety. That'll keep me present because if I know I'm going to lose, I'm ready because someone's going to say something to me. Right. Okay. You know, like, hey, I just finished your pie. Yeah, you just finished my pie. I was going to eat that. <laughs> and then boom, I can, I'm can. i just using it right away and I lost. And another person has high status. Um, and that's, that also depends who I play with. But that that, that is my intention. I usually just think about. I remind myself of that, especially mm-hmm. if we don't know what the um, generator right, is. The information yeah. generator is exactly. Yeah. yeah, we don't know anything yet, so it's just taking it moment by by moment and being calm. And you know, yeah, and think and think. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, working working this out with you right now, when I actually remind myself to lose, you organically have to need stuff from the other person, so you will use what they say. Because you're going to lose to them. You need to know what they care about, right? So right. What, whatever it is they say, finish packing up your bags. Oh, I'll finish packing up my bags, but I don't have enough clothes to fill the suitcase. <laughs> right there, I lost again. You uh-huh. know, like, okay, we're probably poor or I'm the orphan kid. I don't know. Whoever the person calls me. Yeah. Then it's just go from there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I say there it is. Those, those are great methods. Hey, thanks, man. It's all yours. Claim it as your own. Claim, claim, well, claim it as your own. They're not mine. I took it from other people, but it's all yours. Uh, well, I, I enjoyed it. I hope it's the middle of the pack. It's right in the middle of the pack of all your podcasts. It was great having you on, buddy. Hey, thanks, Jason. I think there was so much you can learn from that. I hope you enjoyed it. And I, I do really hope that you learned something, even if you're not in the entertainment industry. Granted, he is talking about going to an improv workshop or an acting workshop, rather, and learning more about his craft. If you are an engineer, that's not necessarily going to help you directly. But just the idea of, well, this guy's making sacrifices so that he can improve himself in his career and also take care of his family and help uh, share the load there. That's something to learn from. It doesn't matter who you are. That is something to learn from. Here is somebody who is actively and purposefully and intentionally doing good things to progress as a human being. And I think that's the big thing you can learn from. You can find out more about the improv community that he was talking about at frontporchimprov.com. They also are teaching classes. I say they, but John Brennan is teaching those classes. You can go to savannacomedyfest.com and find out about that. And you can find him on Instagram at johnnybsic. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Facebook at thereitispod. And you can find me on Twitter at jasonfarjokes. And uh, hope to give you some more things like this that help you grow as a human and a person. We need to grow as human beings and be there for one another. Speaking of which, got a fun episode next week. Until next time, be good to each other.
The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.